six. I apologize. I, I needed the money. <laughs> it is not. But thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm. Welcome to another conversation. I know Justin and I have left you guys hanging. Uh, I got a promotion at work, so my schedule has been all over the place. But uh, I'm glad that we're coming back with a fun interview. Uh, Tim is here to talk about his new film that he has coming out. And but first, before we get into the new film and learning more about you, I have to ask about your experience working on Killjoy. Mm. It's me, it's him, it's T-I-M. I'm so glad to be on your podcast. Good times. I started off with um, Full Moon back in the day, and uh, I was actually, my first Full Moon movie was Zombies versus Strippers. Nice. And, uh, I'll, I'll give you a hint. I wasn't a stripper. So... <laughs> Then I moved on to uh, I was uh, I was this white face clown in one of the Killjoy movies. Killjoy goes to hell, and I did such a good job. The director increased my role and had me come back for Killjoy Psycho Circus, where I was one of the leads. That's awesome. I have not seen Killjoy's Carnage of Caravan. I need to find out where that's at and check it out. But uh, no, that's awesome. I those you movies are I, I would clown say clown down. <laughs> They are a, a guilty pleasure of mine. I love those films. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I am so glad you're here. But tell us, how did you get into um, acting and producing? Uh, I wasn't made out for a real job. That's for damn sure. I, uh, you know, I moved to Hollywood in 2005. I was fascinated with stand-up comedy and I had worked in pro wrestling for years in Pennsylvania. I ran a developmental territory and I worked with the WWE on promotion when they did live events in Erie or Pittsburgh. So I came from a background of wrestling and entertainment and I had studied it in college. So I sold a screenplay, got into stand-up and pretty early on I learned that I don't want to be one of the guys on the bench waiting for the coach to let me get in. I'd rather be the coach. And so that is good for business, good for a career, bad for some of the social politics. Sure. Like, for example, as a stand-up comic, artistically, comedians want to kick around open mics for six years, developing your craft. And then you earn the spot of these, you know, a feature position or a headlining. No, 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 no. I understood early on it's called show business. So I went straight to the managers of the improv in Ontario, California. And I said, I, I can fill your place. I can fill all the seats and sell food and drinks. And they said, son, you're a headliner. And so <laughs> I learned as I was touring and that pissed off a lot of comedians. And that's sort of been my career ever since. I've learned that the writer, the producer, that's where the, the real power is. And, and I, I like to micromanage and, and make sure that everything is what I really want to represent artistically. And so early on, I, I shot straight up from stand-up comedian in, in 07 to selling my first TV show to the Country Music Channel in 10. And that's a very short period of time. Yeah. And uh, that's just how I roll, boys. <laughs> that is, I could tell by the energy that you have that you were a stand-up comedian, like almost from the beginning. Like you didn't even have to tell me that you were a stand-up, but kind of picked up on that that's that's fantastic i stand-up comedy is my favorite art form i think it's one of the toughest art forms sure and uh yeah so what was it's it like very, i'm sorry Jason. 
it's uh, it's very misunderstood because on the surface, people tend to look at the life of the party and they think that should be a stand-up comic. They'll go up to Chuck at the, the barbecue and say, oh, Chuck's got the best stories. You should be a comedian. But they don't know. And from what I saw on the other YouTube, we can curse on this. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't know shit because this guy who's funny at the barbecue with his friends would freeze up when you put a spotlight on him in front of 200 strangers on a Friday night when he's got a second show to do, three shows Saturday, one show Sunday, then get on the road because you got another town next week. He couldn't do it. The person who's a stand-up comic is the weirdo in the corner, not saying anything, but thinking crazy thoughts because that's our social outlet on stage in the spotlight. We're the people who clam up at the social settings because, uh, you know, that that's where that's that's where a comedian shines. Probably a prime example, right? Bill Burr. I think he would be like just so antisocial, but he's great. He's a great comedian, right? Stand up wise. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. There was a woman who did a report about uh, Brian Regan and she went to his comedy Mm. show and she was writing about how hilarious he was on stage. The show was funny. And then she put in the review afterwards. She was in the green room and she's like, he wasn't funny at all off the stage. And Brian (laughs) went off on his podcast. Like, are you out of your mind? That's a job. I got paid to do it. I had reworked the setups, the punches, the callbacks, the tags. That's a science in the real world. I'm just a person. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of talk, talk to us about the noodles of nude land. I watched the trailer. Holy cow. That thing is wild. I'm excited to hear about it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Did you, uh, did you guys get links to the actual movie? I, I would love, I have uh, the movie. I have the behind the scenes and uh, deleted scenes and we have interviews with the cast. I can send you guys all that if you want to Please. check it all out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I would love to check okay. it out. Yeah. Um, but since you've just seen the, the trailer, uh, yeah, basically, I'm a nudist. I was even born naked. So that's not a, a gimmick. Same. Like, I've always been a, a nudist. And as soon as I heard about it, I was like, of course, it just makes sense. What the F? And uh, so when I was in college, I posed nude for art classes, went to my first resort, and I've always been a nudist. And one of the annoyances for real nudists is that there isn't content for us. Somebody will say that they did a nudist comedy, and when you watch it, it's exploitative. It's it's titties on jumping, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, jumping up and down. And then um, or they'll say it's a nudist film, but then the context is overly sexual and people will be hooking up or whatever. I wanted to make a nudist comedy that is silly, ridiculous, outrageous, but on the nudist side does what it says it does. The people who are cast in my mo- my movie are nudists. You yeah. could run into our lead, Juliana, on a nude beach in California. She's not mm. an actress playing a nudist. She's a nudist. And the whole cast are nudists. There's even people who mm. represent nude clubs and resorts and beaches and bike rides. And what it does is it opens up the world of nudism to show people who may not know anything about it just what it's like, who these people are, what the environment is like. And, and that was important to me. So is it silly? Is it ridiculous? Is it indie? Absolutely. But it is authentic and true in the depiction of what nudism is like. So, Yeah, I texted Justin after I watched the trailer. And I'm like, fascinating, because it's a nudist trailer. And there's no nudity in the trailer. <laughs> well, that was for, for getting it out. No, there. no, I, I get it. I, I still like that that element of the trailer i really i really enjoyed that i thought that was fun but we're we're full on nude in the movie if you guys go to the noodles.com you can see screenshots from us um because that was an annoyance there was a, a nudist movie a nudist movie that came out where they claimed they were nudist but they were holding like clipboards in front of their junk oh, stuff like yeah. that and it's just it's not necessary if you're a nudist movie then it shouldn't be a big deal so relax 
Yeah. Have you, sure. have you ever done stand up nude? Extremely. I put together <laughs> a I put together a nude stand up comedy tour in uh, in Southern California. We did it for years. I actually got signed to a holding deal from Showtime to do a TV show. So. That's awesome. uh, yeah, man. Back in uh, 2012, I did my first. We did private resorts. We did private theaters. We did Cal Arts. We uh, we even did two shows at the Hollywood Improv, fully nude, and the audience is nude. Usually, when I do my shows, it is uh, mandatory that the audience gets naked as well because I don't want the people on stage to be the butt of the jokes. I want yeah. it to be more like Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you come, you're one of us. Sure, that makes sense. Are, are there? Are there a lot of communities across the United States? I'm very ignorant in terms of like, are they, is it all over the place? So all over the place. The Anner Association for Nude Recreation. This oh, is an okay. outline on just a few of the clubs and organizations, but it goes on and on and on. Yeah, and plenty of stops. Huge, yeah. huge yeah. subculture. There are entire cruise ships. There are events. There's Bear to Breakers in, in a couple of weeks here in San Francisco where people run naked through the city. The the World Naked Bike Ride is in all the major cities where hundreds of the just last year in L.A., it was over 600 people naked on bicycles going through town, totally legal, totally OK. And it's everywhere. But it, it tends to be a thing that is so stigmatized that sure. a lot of people are very hush hush about it. Um, and I think it's going to help when more people when you realize that it's not those weirdos, but it's Uncle Ted and the it's everybody. Yeah, and it's your a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah, it's just doesn't hurt anybody to just get naked and get out of the swimming pool without wet clothes hanging on you and enjoy the sun and just live life. Sure. We're here for a very short period of time, Jason, Justin. In a hundred years, we'll all be dead, brother. So you know, is live it up. I hear you. I hope sure. I hope to make it to a hundred years. <laughs> so, was the, was the whole movie filmed on uh, a nudist community, like, or did you have to like get special like uh, all? Okay. No, um, we filmed. I rented a Royal Del Sol. It's a nudist bed and breakfast near. Cool. Uh, Pasadena, and we had offers for some other resorts. Which, if I if I do a future project, like um, I'm considering a nude stand up comedy special, I'm considering a nude musical, I'm considering a nude uh, scary movie, a, a nude sitcom. There are different places we could shoot at sound stages or resorts, but for for this one, it was at a Royal Del Sol. It's part of the clothing optional home network, which is again all over the United States. That's awesome. I love the poster. It says uh, "costumes provided by God." That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> that is good. That's good. Actually, yes, I don't. Yes. Th I don't think being nudes is that big of a deal. I don't know if, if I could be nude around a bunch of people. I've never tried it. I, I think I'd try it. Maybe. Good. Well, uh, where are you in LA? Are you in no, LA? We're in Columbus, Ohio. I grew. I grew up in Pennsylvania. Oh nice. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, we have a screening for the movie in L.A. in a few weeks. I would have invited you both to come. We have a clothing optional day and a fully nude day. So <laughs> I appreciate the offer either way. Nice. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was uh, between Pittsburgh and Erie. I um, The first nudist resort I went to was in Darlington, Pennsylvania. It was called White Thorn Lodge. That's awesome. That is awesome. I got to so, ask you, because you're on the Three Geeks podcast, do you have any like uh, movies or TV shows that you geek out about? Or anything in general that you get like super excited about besides, you know, being a nudist. <laughs> if you came to my condo, you would see that it is a shrine to the Midnight Suns. I am a huge 
Ghost Rider, Morbius mm. the Living Vampire, Darkhold, uh, and then going into horror and comics, uh, Hellblazer, Hellstorm, uh, a little bit of Doctor Strange, but when it becomes too mainstream, I kind of pull out. But I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of anything on the darker uh, side of comics and film. I've worked with Clive Barker, and uh, nice. so I'm a big Hellraiser fan. And yeah, if you came into my place, literally, I have like movie memorabilia and props and, you know, posters and rare uh, figures still in boxes and busts and all kinds of stuff all around me. So, so are you a big Spawn guy? I was pushing on a different podcast how I want to see a Spawn remake, a new Spawn movie. Would be that would be nice. That would be nice. I appreciate Spawn. I like Spawn. And the artwork by McFarlane is just fantastic. So, uh, But Spawn kind of falls into the Hellboy camp for me where um, I haven't spent a lot of time researching it. Sometimes I like something from afar and then I start to get into it. And it's like uh, like Dread. Uh, you know, Dread, I think the movie with uh, Urban, the second one, the second one, come on, it should be ex understood, the second yeah. one. Uh, was was just gold. It's cinematic gold. It's so freaking good um, that I wanted to get into the comics, but the comics just don't don't grab me, you know. Sure. And then uh, the Savage Dragon. I love the idea of the Savage Dragon. I, I love a lot of the the, the complex, uh, you know, from afar. But when I get into the book, I like sex as much as the next guy. But ugh, that guy's a little <laughs> dude there, man. You know, dripping vaginas and stuff. I'm like, sir, you you need to relax. <laughs> Are you are you excited about Doctor Strange too with Sam Raimi coming in with the more horror aspect of it? Yeah, I am, and and plus I'm hoping that I've heard a lot of rumors about Ghost Rider making an appearance. So uh, there's rumors surrounding this movie like so hard. I hope half are true. I know that Bruce Campbell's playing a variant of Doctor Strange. Really? Yeah, he released a photo on his Twitter. That <laughs> I'm excited about because I love Bruce Campbell. Wow, that's that's I hadn't heard that. That sounds. Did you cool. see Morbius? No, because we all know what's going to happen. Exactly good. And so it's kind of hard to, because uh, the thing is, I am a huge fan of the Len Kaminsky run circa 93. Mm. I like that issue of Morbius. I have, talk about Geek's podcast. <laughs> I have it, you know, sort oh, that's of awesome. framed because I am a huge fan of that and nothing you know, it's nothing's going to do it uh, justice. It's it's going to be it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough goings. Um, but I have to I have to see it at some point. I'm just a little scared. Yeah, Marvel produced by Sony is like going for a Coke and getting a Kroger brand Coke. Yeah, it's not yeah, the same. But you know, I don't just drink the. Uh, I'm sorry. I like to be argumentative. That's my favorite kind of nerd with all this stuff. Like nothing lives up to my. Uh, when it comes to Marvel, I don't drink the Kool Aid. I don't love everything they do. I think there's a lot of issues with Marvel films that nobody nobody talks about. They just let it slip through the cracks. You know, uh, may I share? May I oh, share? I love hot takes. Let's do it. Come on. Marvel <laughs> is a slut shamer, and I will give you two examples. Iron Man 1. Tony picks up a girl, brings her back, bangs her. What does Pepper do? Shame the hell out of her. Yeah. We need to take out the garbage. Oh, she's garbage and trash. I believe they were two consenting adults who chose to have sex. I sure. don't think she's sex that need, uh, trash that needs to be thrown out. And then Guardians of the Galaxy. When uh, when Quill opens the movie and then he's flying away and that little blue girl pops up and oh, he's like, yeah. oh, I didn't even realize you were still here because I'm a cool guy who has sex with stupid aliens and why are you here, whore? And that is not cool. And I'm the yeah. only one who seems to recognize that. I mean, it's a fair point. I never even thought about it until you brought it. never looked at it through that lens. Yeah, I'd lens. like to see Captain Marvel bang some dude and forget he's there. 
He might be able to. Might might happen soon. That's what I want to see. <laughs> so anyway, so and then there's 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 other things too. But like so Marvel, you know, I love Marvel a lot. When they get it right, it's 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 damn good. But uh, you know, not everything they do is is perfect. What'd you guys think sure. of uh the Shang-Chi? I really I liked it. I liked it a lot because I I I don't know the comic books as well as the rest of my friends do. So when the Iron Man 3 twist happened, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And then the fact that Trevor got carried on into Shang-Chi, I just, I love that movie, everything about it. I like it much better than I like the Eternals. The Eternals did nothing for me. Outside of, I liked, uh, I think his name is what, the Black Knight? He was a cool to like, sprinkle in there, but I wasn't a big well, fan of the Eternals. I heard he had that cameo with Blade. Uh, yeah, I guess, well, the, it's the I think it's just a phone call at the end. Sorry for spoilers, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the guy who still sits in the theater at the end of a Marvel movie, and I see people leaving, and I have to be the one. Like, hey, there's more movie. Yes, <laughs> two more scenes, and it's like I can't believe people still don't know. Yeah, it's, it's been a decade now, folks. We got to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy Shang Chi? No, I thought it was all over no. the map. I, I thought the, the storytelling kept changing. Like, what kind of movie mm-hmm. is this? Like, in the end, you got dragons fighting. What 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 movie is this? Like, uh, it was, and I went to see with Mark Savage, uh, who's a director of, like, 14 features. And he and I together was just like, what what is the tone? What is the tone of this movie? It keeps it keeps changing. It's trying to please mm-hmm. too many masters. So. The tone is Trevor. I think that's why I like that movie so much is because Marvel oh, is known for owning their mistakes. Like DC will just throw their mistake in the trash and then reboot their entire universe. But Marvel will bring that mistake back later and try to redeem it. We well, heard you know, about Trevor people... for a month after that. Tim. <laughs> well, the thing, though, but, but DC, DC movies, the animated movies are great, right? Great. The, the DC animation is so much better. That's what I don't understand. We've talked about this before on some of the other podcasts, but it's just like, how do you not just grab one of the people that are doing those animated films and just say, hey, you're going to do this with real people now? Like, just go figure out a story and tell it on this big screen with actual humans. Do you know what sure. I mean? As a, as a John Constantine fan, I'm still, I you know, I was oh. geeking out about the Guillermo del Toro, Justice League Dark. I mean, I wanted to see Dead that Man. That would have been so good. Ah. been so good. I, I want to see more Swamp Thing in films. Like they had that TV show that I heard was really good, but they canceled it after two episodes, and um, I never watched it because I'm like, "Way to go, DC! Like you let this show has great reviews, and instead of letting it play out its season and then canceling it, you canceled it after two episodes. It's ridiculous." Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I totally agree. I've been actually trying to look through eBay and Etsy to find the Swamp Thing action figures from my youth. Oh yeah, because I, you know, they got the whole plant playset with the big, uh, the big plant that eats people, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the tree, and just oh, I even went and got the uh, the the Swamp Thing where his arm stretches and he pushes his legs together and the arm comes back. Oh, it's great, <laughs> good stuff. But you were actually in a John Constantine um, short. Yes. Um, so we got permission from DC before the TV show came out because I do a lot of stuff at, at Comic-Con and WonderCon panels and, and presentations and stuff. And so we asked if we could do a short in connection to the TV show coming out. We got permission as long as we didn't make any money off of it. Um, so we couldn't put ads or sell it. So we did a two part and it's on it's on YouTube. You can find it. We um, I actually cast Nigel McGuinness, who if you're a fan of WWE, he's a commentator for for um, UK 
uh, WWE UK, and he played Nigel because he had the accent, and he was a well-built dude, and he had the spiky hair, and it was just, it was really well done. We used Katie Lee Birchall, who is also a WWE wrestler, uh, Jared Poyava, who's a longtime special effects, two-time Oscar-winning uh, special mm -hmm. effects guy. He worked on Terminator 2 and The Abyss, and he gave me a prop from Ed Wood. Um, so it's it's a fun, it's a fun, I, I co-wrote it with another guy and threw a lot of little Easter eggs in there. Like being a, a Midnight Suns guy, I threw in the um, the little dagger that they used to have on their arms. So I have oh, yeah, that yeah. in there. And uh, I even, you know, it's a little creepy, but I got into like some real serial killers and I used some lines and comments from real serial killers. Like my favorite, we may be going down a tie. Uh, uh, <laughs> We're pivoting into a very dark, dark turn. Yeah. My favorite serial killer is Albert Fish. So I used a few lines from Albert who would uh, abduct kids and uh, and eat them. So the uh, the demons who were turning kids into stew said some actual lines that he used in real life, which I thought was pretty cool. It seems very fitting. Yeah. And if you know anything about the history of Alan Moore with John Constantine, um, who, who I have at my, uh, on my desk here, Mr. Constantine, <laughs> looking up, uh, he always claimed that he ran into the real John Constantine one day. And that John's line when he went up to him was, do you want to know the real secret of magic? Any cunt could do it. And so I used that as a post-credit scene on the two trailers where we have a big bearded guy who looks like Alan Moore jotting down ideas and he runs into John Constantine. And that that's happened that's awesome. So, that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the fun of throwing these together is you get to make it to be something that you haven't seen anywhere else, you know? Oh, man. I got to pull a Carson and get you on our live show sometime very, very soon. At the very um, least, you need to meet John because he's a big wrestling guy, and I feel like you two could talk about that for a long time, for a while. Yeah, I'm Rob Van Dam's one of my closest buddies, and I'm doing some uh, wrestling memoirs right now where I'm ghostwriting for them. So a, a very awesome. famous wrestler that you would totally know is sending me audio files, and I'm the one who's making his stories magic. Well, Tim, can, can you share that with us when, when it's become public? Can we... <laughs> I, 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 the whole thing of being a ghostwriter is that oh, I forgot. I, I didn't process I, what you said. I, my name's my not going to be on the book. I'm a referee Dang in a wrestling it. match. You're supposed to not know I'm there. Dang it. Well, then. But I, I'll, I'll tell you after the thing. If you All right. Know. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I just want to know. Sorry, audience. Yeah. <laughs> but, but officially, I never told them. So yeah, uh, if you, you know, yeah, if, if you say anything, it's never happened. I didn't say it. Yeah. yeah. Never happened. What is the dark night of the breakup? Dark Knight of the Breaker. Oh, that sounds like one of the Labatha shorts. Um, we did a series of... <laughs> Are you just going down my IMDb? Yeah, um, dude. Yeah, totally anything is. that sounds fascinating, uh -huh. I'm throwing out. So, the Dark Knight of the, the Breaker, I, I believe it was a uh, short film having to do with, like, Batman. I, I was one of the... Um, uh, board of directors for the Long Beach Acting and Film Association. So we would get people together to short shoot to shoot short films, and then they would come out. Um, I would say the the hottest stuff on there to talk about would be, um, you know, um, Unchained was the movie we did with Eric Roberts. It was about girls getting kidnapped and then forced to fight to the death. Uh, the oh, Noodles Noodle of course, just came out a few weeks ago. It's available um, on the website because I haven't sold it to an aggregator yet. I want to try to collect as much monies as I can before I give it to somebody else. And then he lies to me that no one's buying it. And uh, and then, of course, uh, Hell's Coming for You comes out in uh, before the end of the year. That's the one that Shudder is interested in right now. And we're cool. just getting it through post-production to make sure it hits all the bells and whistles. But that is a disabled bounty hunter who finds out that other bounty hunters were responsible for killing his wife. And it's very Tarantino-esque. It has over-the-top characters, ridiculous violence, uh, a little bit of humor, a little bit of heart. But basically, it's this old dude 
who's trying to settle down after a, a, a rough life. I mean, the movie even opens up with his whole family getting gunned down from an amphicar. Oh. There's stunts. Like, an amphicar is part car, part boat. So it's a car that is a boat. And so we have that in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he shoots up the whole family and leaves the, the kid uh, with his spine you know, shot and damaged. And then he ends up being in a, a motorized scooter and everyone would say, oh, you're in a scooter. You can't do anything. Well, he became a bounty hunter and he became the best bunny ha- bounty hunter out there. Then later on, we have hot air balloon stunts and all kinds of craziness. But he, uh, the cool thing about it is the actor who plays him, Liam Gunter Hell, hence the name Hell's coming for you. It's his last name, uh, is played by Dylan Dillagaff, who is a real disabled comedian who is at a residency in Las Vegas for the last six years. So the guy wanted to take a Robin Williams and take on a dramatic role. And so we got him, you know, getting vicious and bloody and having a threesome with two chicks and just some crazy stuff that you don't normally see a disabled older dude doing. So living his best life. Take all Definitely. my money. I'm in. <laughs> I want to see yeah. this. <laughs> well, because I like to, I like to give a spotlight to underrepresented groups. So whether it's nudists, whether it's disabled people, I like to, I like to say, you know, you know, we can see all these other. When was the last time you saw a disabled action hero? Name one. I mean, Daredevil I mean, Rock was legless in one of his movies. No, no, no. The, I, I know what life, you mean. Yeah, and Daredevil in real life, he's not. I'm saying a real life disabled. Oh, I thought that. I feel who I feel then that. can be in a in a disabled action movie. Fair enough. Yeah. Zero. Yeah, yeah. So most of the butt of the joke. That's the only time you really see disabled people in movies. Sure. Same, same with nudists. When you see nudists, it's because oh, we're on a beach and it's old, uh, you know, fat people. Ugh. And and that's not a representation of who they really are. So I want to show that it's not just uh, the weirdo, but they're doctors, lawyers, teachers. They're just like everybody else. I on the nude resorts in um, out here in California. I'm in Las Vegas right now, but when I've been in California, I have seen so many celebrities at nudist resorts because they know that people aren't taking pictures and video. So sweet. Yeah. So can you talk to me a little bit about uh, the distribution piece of it? I know you said you, yeah, it's on your site, but like, how does that work going from you owning it then to the, the what you call it, the, the aggregator or what was the, what was the term you used? But either yeah, way, you, you either sell it to a distributor or yeah. uh, an aggregator, an aggregator, they're just doing a service for you. So they're putting it on some of these other platforms. They get paid a fee, they put it on those, and then you get a, uh, a kickback from the, the website that it's on versus if a distributor picks it up then that's when they can have things like exclusivity so uh, shutter for example if we sign the deal that we're talking about doing they will own it for a year that means i can't put blu-rays out i can't have it streaming on amazon they want they want to say that the only place you can see it is at shutter if you want that movie you come to shutter so um so there's that kind of thing but then oftentimes like Troma, for example, if I wanted my movie on Troma now, Lloyd would let me do anything I wanted because he's just happy to have it also on Troma. So, mm-hmm. but that's you know that's and then that ties into how much money was used into it and uh, who you're beholden to. Like for example, with the noodles, I have three investors, myself, and then two other people who put a little bit of money in. So it's very light. We kept everything pretty cheap, and it's easy to pay it out. It's probably going to pay itself off in like three months if, if the mm-hmm. current if it looks like the way it's going but for hell's coming for you that was damn near a million bucks so we have to be a lot more careful about what i what i agree to what i sign on because that one needs to make money so you know there's there's the old uh you do one for them one for you one for them one for you so you do something to get you know paid and then you do something that's an artistic expression and if it makes money that's cool too 
do you have a preference in terms of like aggregator versus distributor versus just on your own website? Like, do you have? I try to do it all. I I, I enjoy yeah. living a life where I do it all. I you know I run a publishing house as well. We're doing comic books. We're doing, I told you the, um, the memoir, but I also have, you know, fiction in, in my name. I'm putting out a book of cocktail recipes for this tiki bar. We're doing a, a shrunken heads book because they have a, cool. a celebrity bar out here called the golden tiki where celebrities come in and they are presented with a shrunken head. So UFC fighters or, uh, you know, famous musicians, etc. They have all these shrunken heads all over the bar. Cool. And anyway so for me i like to be involved in in everything because i'm not married no kids i just i'm a workaholic and i i love what i do so i want to be involved in everything justin everything sure sure that is I, awesome. I need to talk to you yeah. after the show too about the publishing thing oh cool maybe maybe we can help each other out but um yeah i want to take a second and i want to share the trailer for um the noodles of Nudeland for everybody i'm going to throw it up on the screen so we can all check it out Sorry, I gotta take it off again. Now take it off. Are you referring to your pants? I mean, who's to say we're we're not already naked underneath the table, right? You know. Yep. <laughs> Cleveland. Are we gonna have Drew Carey join us? Uh, it rocks apparently. Why do you have to be naked all the time? There's society, and there's you. You don't fit into society. What do we have here? You don't care the dog naked. Bad nipples on a female. That is against the law. Wow. You know, I watched something on polyamory because that's another thing that's like so anti like the establishment. And it's like not at all about like freaky sex. It's about like relationships and love and stuff. I think Nude Land is fantastic, of course. This is who I am. I don't see that every day. <laughs> She'll leave you for a guy like me. We know who we are. <laughs> I like the theme song. I, I didn't really yeah. That's a fantastic. Lot of fun. <laughs> Is it wild seeing something like? And this is could go for all of your stuff, but like just seeing on the big screen, like how, how surreal is that? Like, I, I'm not sure I've asked many people that question, but like it has to be wild to see either you as an actor or you producer, name your credit, right? But like just say something you've done on the screen. You know what I mean? I, I love, I, I, it's, it's a thrill. It's fun. It's, uh, you know, feel grateful and blessed to be a part of it and to be the kind of professional that people want to keep working with and do more art with. I mean, like, for example, you mentioned Full Moon. I had done some of their movies and then they keep bringing me back. And then there's a working relationship. Charles Band has given me quotes on my right. And uh, I uh, we utilized some of the the Full Moon crew for this uh, Hell's Coming for You movie that we did. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lindsay Schmidt and Nakai Nelson, uh, she was our line producer, and uh, you know we rented some cameras from them. So you know the the industry is small enough that you see the same faces again and again. That's why you don't burn bridges and piss people off, and you know because you have the opportunity to work with them again. Or other people will bring your name up and say, "Should I work with so and so?" And if you had a bad experience, then you right. don't get work. You didn't even know you were possibly going to get. So, you know, Charles Band is one of those guys I need to reach out to because I love so much of his work. Like the Puppet Master series was a huge part of my life. And Full Moon Entertainment in general has been a full big part of my life. 
And, uh, you know, this is fun doing these interviews and so forth, because we never would have thought to interview Tim Chismar until he was sent to us. And I'm glad that you were sent to us because Justin and I have had a string of not great interviews and you have <laughs> officially broken that. Like, it's fantastic. And I greatly appreciate How is it possible to not be a good interview if it's a product that you care about? Like, if we were doing this interview about horses, I wouldn't have much to talk about. But, you know, this uh, is stuff I love about. Who doesn't want to talk about comics and movies and projects and live shows and wrestling? And, dude, I can talk forever about this, sir. All right. So what do you? what's your favorite horse? Oh, yeah. this yeah. man. Oh. <laughs> you see, Justin, you need to do a show of your own because this Jason guy. I know. Just, just, that's why the interviews have been going bad. I have discovered <laughs> what the source is. We, we, we had one rule before this interview started. <laughs> you didn't read the writer. We sent over a very specific paragraph. No horses. <laughs> Ponies were iffy. Uh, it's on the fence. On the fence. Oh, terrible. Get out. Well, Tim, I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. And I really, really, really want to get you on our live show because I think you'd fit in with the guys so well and just have a much longer conversation would be fantastic. Uh, where can everybody find you online? Uh, it's next to my name, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, thenoodles.com. It also nudisthumorous.com. And then I have my website, uh, timchismar.com, uh, which we're revamping and adding some more stuff to it. But I write for First Comics News. I have a column over there. They get 2 million readers per month. So it's Sweet. a pretty big deal. And um, I'll be on a panel at uh, Comic-Con coming up in July. So, you know, if you're at Comic-Con in San Diego, come and say howdy do to me. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody checks out the movie. Like I said about you guys, I'm happy to send you all the links so you can check Please, it out and yeah, see for yourself yeah. what it's like. But yeah, uh, you know, don't be a stranger. Reach out, say hi, follow me on the uh, on all the things. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Just don't follow me home. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Check us out. Three Geeks Podcast. We're live every Sunday at noon Eastern. And follow us at Three Geeks Podcast. Have a great day.